Sargasso of Lost Starships, Chapter 4. The Ganymede's engines rose to full power, and the pilot control spun over without a hand on them. Engineum! Engineum! Stop the nonsense down there! We can't! They're frozen! The converter has gone into full without us! So I can't budge this stick! It's locked somehow! The lights went on. Men screamed. Get me a flashlight! snapped Takahashi in the dark. I'll take this damn panel apart myself! The beam etched his features against night. Who goes? he cried. It's I. Yensky appeared in the dim, reflected glow. Never mind, Takahashi. Let the ship have her way. But man, we could crush! I finally gotten Donovan to talk. He says we're in the grip of some kind of power beam. They'll pull us to one of their space stations, and then maybe we can negotiate, or fight. Come on, we've got to quiet the men. The flashlight went out. Takahashi's laugh was shrill. Better quiet me first, Captain. Her hand was on his arm, steadying, strengthening. Don't fail me, Tetsuo. You're the last one I've got. I just had to paralyze Scoresby. Thanks. Thanks, Chief. I'm all right now. Let's go. They fumbled through blindness. The engines roared full speed ahead with a ghost on the bridge. Men were stumbling and cursing and screaming in the dark. Someone switched on the battle station's siren and its howl was the last voice of insanity. Struggle in the dark, wrestling, paralyzing at the berserk, calling on all the iron will which had lifted humankind to the stars, slow restoration of order, men creeping to general quarters, breathing heavily in the guttering light of paper torches. The engines cut off, and the ship snapped into normal matter state. Helena Yansky saw blood-red sunlight through the viewport. There was no time to sound the alarm before the ship crashed. A hundred men! No more than a hundred alive! She wrapped her cloak tight about her against the wind and stood looking across the camp. The streaming firelight touched her face with red, limbing it against the utter dark of the night heavens, sheening faintly in the hair that blew wildly around her strung, bitter countenance. Beyond, other fires danced and flickered in the gloom. Men huddled around them while the cold seeped slowly to their bones. Here and there an injured human moaned. Across the ragged spine of bare black hills they could still see the molten glow of the wreck. When it hit, the atomic converters had run wild and begun devouring the hull. There had barely been time for the survivors to drag themselves and some of the cripples free and to put the rocky barrier between them and the mounting radioactivity. During the slow red sunset they had gathered wood, hewing with knives at the distorted scrub trees reaching above the shale and snow off the valley. Now they sat waiting out the night. Takahashi shuddered. God, it's cold. It'll get colder, said Donovan tonelessly. This is an old planet of an old red dwarf sun. Its rotation has slowed. The nights are long. How do you know? Lieutenant Elijah Cohen glared at him out of a crudely bandaged face. The firelight made his eyes gleam red. How do you know unless you're in with him? Unless you arranged this yourself? Watcher reached forth a massive fist. You shut up, he rumbled. Never mind, said Donovan. I just thought some things would be obvious. You saw the star, so you should know it's the type of a burned-out dwarf. Since planets are formed at an early stage of a star's evolution, this world must be old, too. Look at these rocks, citrified, back when the stellar energy output got really high, just before the final collapse, and nevertheless eroded down to bare snags. That takes millions of years. He reflected that his reasoning while sound enough was based on foreknown conclusions. Cohen's right. I have betrayed them. It was Valduma, watching over me, who brought Watcher and myself unhurt through the crash. I saw Valduma. 
I saw you with your hair flying in the chaos, riding witch-like through sundering ruin, and you were laughing, laughing. He felt ill. Nevertheless, the planet has a thin but breathable atmosphere, frozen water and vegetable life, said Takahashi. Such things don't survive the final hot stage of a sun without artificial help. This planet has natives. Since we were deliberately crashed here, I dare say the natives are our earlier friends. He turned dark, accusing eyes on the Anson. How about it, Donovan? I suppose you're right, he answered. I knew there was a planet in the nebula. The natives had told me that in my previous trip. This star lies near the center, in a hollow region, where there isn't enough dust to force the planet into its primary, and shares a common velocity with the nebula. It stays here, in other words. You told me, Helena Yansky bit her lip, then slowly forced the words out. You told me, and I believed you, that there was nothing immediately to fear when the nebulites took over our controls. So we didn't fight them. We didn't try to overcome their forces with our own engines. And it cost us the ship, and over half her crew. I told you what happened to me last time, he lied steadfastly. I can't help it if things were different this trip. She turned her back. The wind blew a thin, hissing veil of dry snow across her ankles. The wounded man suddenly screamed out there in the dark. How does it feel, Donovan? You made her trust you, and then betrayed her for a thing that isn't even human. How does it feel to be a Judas? Never mind recriminations, said Takahashi. This isn't the time to hold trials. We've got to decide what to do. They have a city on this planet, said Donovan. Dragobich, they call it. And the planet's name is Arzan. It lies somewhere near the equator, they told me once. If they meant us to make our own way to it, and it would be like them, then it may well lie due south. You can march that way, assuming that the sun set in the west. Nothing to lose, shrugged the Terran. But we haven't many weapons. A few assorted sidearms is all. There aren't much of us against these creatures anyway. Something howled out in the dark. The ground quivered ever so faintly to the pounding of heavy feet. Wild animals yet! Cohen grinned humorously. Better sound battle stations, Captain. Yes, yes, I suppose so. She blew her whistle, a thin shrilling in the windy dark. As she turned around, Donovan saw a gleam running along her cheek. Tears. The noise came closer. They heard the rattle of claws on stone. The Terrans moved together, guns in front, clubs and rocks and bare hands behind. They have guts, thought Donovan. God, but they have guts. Food would be scarce on a barren planet like this, said Ensign Chundradas. We seem to be elected. The hollow roar sounded, echoing between the hills and caught up by the thin harrying wind. Hold fire, said Helena. Her voice was clear and steady. Don't waste charges. Wait. The thing leaped out of the darkness, a ten-meter length of gaunt-scaled body and steel-hard claws and whipping tail soaring through the snow-streaked air and caught in the vague, uneasy firelight. Helena's blaster crashed. The lightning bolt sizzled against the armored head. The monster screamed. Its body tumbled shatteringly among the humans. It seized a man in its jaws and shook him and trampled another underfoot. Takahashi stepped forward and shot again at its dripping wound. The blaster bolt zigzagged wildly off the muzzle of his gun. Even the animals can do it. Oh, get him, Bus! Watcher reared on his hind legs, came down again with a thud and charged. Stones flew from beneath his feet. The monster's tail swept out. A man tumbled before it with his ribs caved in, and Watcher staggered as he caught the blow. Still he rushed in, clutching the barbed end of the tail to his breast. 
Another blaster bolt hit it from the rear. It turned and shattered its eyes, veered away. Watcher hit it with all the furious momentum he had. He rammed its spear-like tail down the open jaws and blood spurted. Oh, Donovan! he shouted, as the thing screamed and snapped at him. He caught its jaws in his hands. Watcher! he yelled Donovan. Watcher! He ran wildly toward the fight. The denarian's great back arched with strain. It was as if they could hear his muscles crack. Slowly, slowly he forced the jaws wider. The monster lashed its body, pulling him to his knees, dragging him over the ground, and still he fought. Damn you! he roared in the whirling dust and snow. Hold still! The jaws broke, and the monster screamed once more, and then it wasn't there. Watcher tumbled over. Donovan fell across him, sobbing, laughing, cursing. Watcher picked him up. You right, boss? he asked. You well? Yes, yes. Oh, you blind, bloody fool, you stupid, blundering ass! Donovan hugged him. Gone, said Helena. It vanished. They picked up their dead and wounded and returned to the fires. The cold bit deep. Something else hooted out in the night. It was a long time before Takehashi spoke. You might expect it, he said. These parapsychical powers don't come from nowhere. The intelligent race, our enemies of Dragobich, simply have them highly developed. The animals do a lesser extent. And I think it's a matter of life being linked to the primary atomic probabilities. The psi functions which give the continuous field distribution of matter, energy, and space-time. In a word, control of external matter and energy by conscious will acting through the unified field which is space-time. Telekinesis. Uh-huh, said Dash wearily. Even some humans have a slight pad of power. Control dice or electron beams or what have you. But why aren't the, why did you call them, Azunians overrunning the galaxy? They can only operate over a certain range, which happens to be about the distance to the fringe stars. Said Donovan. Beyond that distance, dispersion limits them, plus the fact that differences of potential energy must be made up from their own metabolism. The animals, of course, have very limited range, a few kilometers, perhaps. The Arzunians use telekinesis to control matter and energy, and the same subspatial principles as those ships to go faster than light. Only since they aren't lugging around a lot of hull and passengers and assorted machinery, just themselves and a little air and maybe an armful of sacrificial goods from a fringe planet, they don't need atomic engines. They aren't interested in conquering the galaxy. Why should they be? They can get all their needs and luxuries from the peoples to whom they are gods. An old race, very old, decadent, if you will, but they don't like interference. Takahashi looked at him sharply. I glimpsed one of them on the ship, he said. Carried a spear. Yeah, another reason why they aren't conquerors. They have no sense of mechanics at all. Never had any reason to evolve one when they could manipulate matter directly without more than the simplest tools. They're probably more intelligent than humans in an all-around way, but they don't have the type of brain and the concentration needed to learn physics and chemistry. Aren't interested, either. Your swords against guns. We may have a chance. They can turn your missiles, remember. Guns are little use. You have to distract them so they don't notice your shot till too late. But they can't control you. They aren't telepaths, and their type of matter control is heterodyned by living nerve currents. You could kill one of them with a sword, where a gun would most likely kill you. I see. Helena looked strangely at him. You're becoming very vocal all of a sudden. Donovan rubbed his eyes and shivered in the cold. What of it? You wanted the truth. You're getting it. Why am I telling them? Why am I not just leading them to the slaughter as Valduma wanted? Is it that I can't stand the thought of Helena being hunted like a beast? Whose side am I on? He thought, wildly. Takahashi gestured, and his voice came eager. 
That's it, that's it. The ship scattered assorted metal and plastic over twenty hectares as she fell. Safe for us to gather up tomorrow. We can use our blaster flames to shape weapons, swords, axes, spears. But the galaxy will arm ourselves, and then we'll march on Dragobich. Chapter 5 It was a strange little army, thought Donovan, as strange as any the galaxy had ever seen. He looked back. The old ruined highway went down a narrow valley between sheer cliffs of eroded black stone, reaching up toward the deep purplish heavens. The sun was wheeling westerly, a dull red ember throwing light like clattered blood on the dreariness of rock and ice and gaunt grey trees. A few snowflakes, borne on a thin chill wind, drifted across the path of march. A lonely bird, cruel-beaked and watchful, hovered on great black wings far overhead waiting for them to die. The men of the Imperial Solar Navy walked close together. They were haggard and dirty and bearded, clad in such ragged articles as they had been able to salvage, armed with the cruelly forged weapons of a vanished age, carrying their sick and wounded on rude litters. Ghost world, ghost army, marching through an echoing windy solitude to its unknown weird. But men's faces were still brave, and one of them was singing. The sunburst banner of the Empire flapped above them, the one splash of colour in the great murky landscape. Luck had been with them, of a sort. Game animals had appeared in more abundance than one would have thought the region could support, deer-like things which they shot for meat to supplement their iron rations. They'd stumbled on the old highway and followed its arrow-straight course southward. Many days and many tumbled hollow ruins of great cities lay behind them, and still they trudged on. Luck, wondered Donovan. I think it was intentional. I think the Azunians want us to reach Dragobich. He heard the scrape of boots on the slanting hillside behind him, and turned around to face Helena. He stopped and smiled. There had been a slow, unspoken intimacy growing between them, as they worked and struggled together. Not many words, but the eyes of each would often stray to the other, and a hand would brush over a hand, as if by accident. Tired and hungry and road-stained, caps set askew on tangled hair, skin reddened by wind and blued with cold, she was still good to look on. Why are you walking so far from the road? she asked. Oh, serving as outrider, maybe, he said, resuming his stride. She fell into step beside him. Up here you get a wider view. You think we have much further to go, Basil? He shrugged. We'd never have come this far without you, she said, looking down at her scuffed boots. You and Watcher and Takahashi? Maybe the Empire will send a rescue mission when we don't come back, he suggested. No doubt they will, but they can't find one little star in this immensity. Even thermocouples wouldn't help. The nebula diffuses radiation too much. Then they'd be blundering into the same trap as we. Eleanor looked up. No, Basil, we've got to fight our way clear alone. There was a long stretch of thicket growing on the hillside. Donovan went along the right of it cutting off view of the army. You know, he said, you and those boys down there make me feel like a lot kinder toward the Empire. Thank you. Thank you, we... She took his arm. It's a question of unifying the human race. Ultimately, this whole region of stars and... Oh! The beasts were suddenly there in front of them, lean black things which snarled with mouths of hunger. One of them circled toward the human's flank. The other crouched. Donovan yanked his sword clear. Get behind me, he snapped, turning to face the approaching hunter. No, back to back! Helena's own blade rasped from its sheath. She lifted a shout for help. 
The nearest animal sprang for her throat. She hacked wildly. The blade twisted in her hand and scraped the muzzled face. Jaws clamped on the edged steel and let go with a bloody howl. Donovan swung at the other beast. The blow shuddered home, and it screamed and writhed and snapped at his ankles. Whirling, he turned on a thing which had launched itself at Helena. He hewed, and the animal wasn't there. His blade rang on naked stone. A weight crashed against his back. He went down, and the teeth clamped on his shoulder. Helena swung. The carnivore raised its head to snarl at her, and she gripped the sword in both hands and stabbed. It threshed wildly, dying, spewing blood over the hillside. The other wounded creature disapproved. Helena bent over Donovan, held him close, her eyes wild. Are you hurt? Basil! Oh, Basil, are you hurt? No, he muttered. The teeth didn't have time to work through this heavy jacket. He pulled her head down against his. Basil! Basil! He rose, still holding her to him, her arms locked about his neck, and there were tears and laughter in her voice. Oh, Basil, my darling! Helena, he murmured. I love you, Helena. When we get home, I'm due for furlough. I'll retire instead, your house on Ansar. Oh, Basil, I never thought I could be so glad. The massive thunder of feet brought them apart. Watcher burst around the thicket, swinging his giant axe in both hands. Are you right, boss? he roared. Yes, yes, we're all right. A couple of those damned wolf-like things which have been plaguing us the whole march. Go on back, Watcher, we'll join you soon. The denarian's ape-face split in a vast grin. So you take a female, boss? He cried. Good, good. We need lots of little Donovans at home. Get on back, you old busybody, and keep that gossiping mouth shut. Hours later, Helen returned to the army where it was making camp. Donovan stayed where he was, looking down at the men where they moved about, gathering wood and digging fire pits. The blazes were a note of cheer and a thickering murk. Helener, he thought. Helener. She's a fine girl, wonderful girl. She's what the thinning family blood and I myself need. But why did I do it? Why did I talk that way to her, just then, and the strain and fear and loneliness? It seemed as if I cared. But I don't. She's just another woman. She's not Valdumer. The twilight murmured, and he saw the dim sheen of metal beside him. The men of Dragobich were gathering. They stood tall and godlike in a helmet and ringmail and night-black cloaks, leaning on swords and spears, death-white faces cold with an ancient scorn as they looked down on the human camp. Their eyes were phosphorescent green in the dark. Donovan nodded, without fear or surprise or anything but a sudden great weariness. He remembered some of them from the days when he'd been alone in the bows of the ship with the invaders, while his men cowered and rioted and went crazy in the stern sectors. But oh, Morzak, Uboda, Leguyen, Kustuzan, Davleka, he said, welcome back again. Vilduma walked out of the blood-hued twilight, and he took her in his arms and held her for a long, fierce time. Her kiss was as cruel as a swooping hawk. She bit his lips, and he tasted blood warm and salt where she had been. Afterward she turned in the circle of his arm, and he faced the silent men of Dragobich. "'You are getting near the city,' said Moisek. His tones were deep, with a chill ringing of struck steel in them. "'It is time for the next stage.' I thought you saved some of us deliberately, said Donovan. Us? Valduma's lip caressed his cheek. Them, Basil, them. You don't belong there. You are with Arzun and me. You must have projected that game where we could spot it, went on Donovan shakily. You've kept us, them, alive and enabled us to march in your city, and the last inhabited city left to your race. You could have hunted them down as you did all the others, 
made sport of them with wild animals and falling rocks and missiles shooting out of nowhere, but instead you want them for something. What is it? You should have guessed, said Morse. We want to leave Arzun. Leave it? You could do so any time, by yourselves. You've done it for millennia. We can only go to the barbarian fringe stars. Beyond them it is a greater distance to the next suns than we can cross unaided. Yet though we have captured many spaceships and have them intact to Dragobich, we cannot operate them. The principles learned from the humans don't make sense. When we have tried to pilot them, it has only brought disaster. But why do you want to leave? It is a recent decision, precipitated by your arrival, but it has been considered for a long while. The sun is old, this planet exhausted, and the lives of we few remnants of a great race flicker in a hideous circumscribed drabness. Sooner or later the humans will find our way here in strength too great for us. Before then we must be gone. So, Donovan spoke softly, and the wind whimpered under his voice. So your plan is to capture this group of spacemen and make them your slaves. To carry you. Where? Out. Away. Galdum's clear, lovely laughter rang in the night. To seize another planet and build our strength afresh. She gripped his waist, and he saw the white gleam of her teeth out of shadow. To build a great army of obedient space-going warriors, and then to hunt between the stars. Hunt. Look here. Mozak edged closer, his eyes a green glow, the vague sheen of naked steel in his hand. I've been polite long enough. You have your chance to rise above the human scum that spawned you and be one of us. Help us now and you can be with us till you die. Otherwise you will take that crew anyway and you'll be hounded across the face of this planet. Aye, aye, welcome back, Basil Donovan. Welcome back to the old king race. Come with us, come with us. Lead the humans into our ambush and be the lord of stars. They circled about him, tall and male and beautiful in the shadow light. Luring, whispering voices, ripple of dark laughter, the hunters playing with their quarry and taming it. Donovan remembered them, remembered the days when he had talked and smiled and drunk and sung with them the Lucifer-like intoxication of their dancing, darting minds, a wildness of magic and mystery and reckless wizard sport, a glory which had taken something from his soul and left an emptiness within him. Morzek, Maravich, Uboda, Zagoyen, for a time he had been the consort of the gods. Basil! Valduma laid sharp nailed fingers in his hair and pulled his lips to hers. Basil, I want you back! He held her close, feeling the lithe, savage strength of her, recalling the flame-like beauty in the night of love such as no human could ever give. His whisper was thick. You got bored last time and send me back. How long will I last now? As long as you wish, Basil, forever and forever. He knew she lied, and he didn't care. This is what you must do, Donovan, said Mose. He listened with half his mind. It was a question of guiding the army into a narrow cul-de-sac where the Arzunians could perform the delicate short-range work of causing chains to bind around them. For the rest, he was thinking. They hunt, the intrigue, and they whittle down their last few remnants with fighting among themselves. And they prey on the fringe stars, and they capture living humans to hunt down for sport. They haven't done anything new for ten thousand years. Creativeness has withered from them. And all they will do if they escape the nebula is carry ruin between the stars. The mad. Yes, a whole society of psychopaths 
gone crazy with the long racial dying. That's the reason they can't handle machines. That's why they don't think of friendship, but only of war. That's why they carry doom within them. But I love you. I love you. I love you, O Valduma the Fair. O Valduma the Fair. He drew her to him, kissed her with a terrible intensity, and she laughed in the dark. Looking up, he faced the blaze that was Morzech. All right, he said. I understand. Tomorrow. Aye, good, good. Well done. Oh, Basil, Basil, whispered Valduma. Come, come away with me now. No, let's suspect. I have to go down to them, or they'll come looking for me. Good night, Basil, my darling, my father. Until tomorrow. He went slowly down the hillside, drawing his shoulders together against the cold, not looking back. Helena rose when he approached her campfire, and the flimmering light made her seem pale and unreal. Where have you been, Basil? You look so tired. Just walking around. I'm all right. He spread his couch of stiff and stinking animal hide. I'd better turn in, eh? But he slept little. 